Everyone who pays any attention to schools and politics knows the dynamics of a school board can have positive or negative effects on the schools and communities they serve. We have had other leader chats on this topic, but Pamela Swanson, superintendent of Westminster Schools in Colorado, schooled us in this leader chat. Her humility and compassion are obvious. Clearly, she understands quality governance, but she also describes the art of working with her board as a united front. This leader chat is awesome. Enjoy. Good day, teachers, leaders, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Leader Chat. I am Jeff Rose, and today I'm giddy. I don't know if you've ever noticed this by watching our videos, if you're in the leadership circle and you're a member, or just by listening to the podcast, that I really enjoy myself doing these, and it actually has to do with just my learning. So I find that I'm learning so much based upon our incredible guests, and obviously I just have this hope and dream that other people are learning through this discourse, which I have to assume that people do. Today I'm giddy because I, I know the person pretty well that we're chatting with, and the topic is just so ridiculously relevant. So what I'll do is I'm going to tell you the topic. I'm going to, of course, read the bio of our guest and then make it just a little bit of commentary, invite her in, and then we're going to dive in. So the topic today is called Leading With... And I want to focus on that word, leading with your school board and keeping focus on what's most important with Dr. Pamela Swanson. This is part one. This is going to be a two-part series. They were very strategic around that, and I'll describe that here in just a second. Let me tell you about Dr. Pamela Swanson. Currently serving as the superintendent of schools since 2011, Dr. Swanson has been the with Westminster Public Schools in several leadership roles. Boulder, she's also been Boulder Valley School District in the Department of Defense Schools in Europe. Dr. Swanson received her undergraduate degree from Wintham University, South Carolina. She received her MA from University of Colorado at Denver and earned her doctorate from Nova Southeastern University in Florida. She also holds the designation of Senior Human Resource Professional, so somewhat of a renaissance woman of school districts. And in 2019, Dr. Swanson received the Metro North Woman of the Year Award, and in 2020, she was the recipient of the Colorado's Superintendent of the Year. And before she jumps on screen, this is why this topic is going to be uh, fun to discuss. We have talked about governance before in leader chats. We've had other guests help us and walk us through some of the challenges and strategies specific to leading with and working with school boards. However, there is a science to it, but as you'll also see by talking, and by the way, I, I get to talk, I get to call her Pam. So that's how close we are. So Dr. Pamela Swanson, but I'm going to refer to her as Pam. She gave me permission to do that. So we're buddies. And you'll see that there is, there's an art to this. Um, it's, it's not just a list of rules and regs on how you do this best. So without further ado, let me invite Pam, Dr. Pamela Swanson, to the screen. Pam, how are you? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me on. And uh, the first thing you said was uh, you're excited because you learn. I think we all learn every day. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but the older I get, the more humble I become <laughs> because there's so much out there. And so anyway, I can uh, 
contribute to the conversation, I'm happy to do so. Well, don't you think that's almost a, a sign of, you know, whether it's age or wisdom or experience that sometimes the the longer you do the work, the, the more you realize how much further you have to go. It's it's very easy to sometimes be, you know, maybe young and brash and maybe even a really um, a risk taker as a leader. It doesn't always um, it doesn't always align to understanding that there's a humility to it. There is, and I think as a superintendent. Um, two words come to mind that have helped me along the way, and it's a humble confidence. I think uh, those two words, if you can put them into your heart and into your brain, um, it sure has helped me to think of the superintendency that way. So I, I read your bio, Pam, but I'm always a little uncomfortable reading bios because they don't, it doesn't always describe the person and kind of their drive and their why. So. Maybe just tell our listeners either what I missed or what would be important for them to know about you, maybe specific to your motivations on why you do the work you do. What is it that um, you know causes you to, to, to lead with such enthusiasm every day? Whatever you wish, just help our listeners understand you a little bit better. Well, and I think all of us with our careers, we change over time too, right? So initially, I like to to tease all my friends and say, uh, I'm really just a piano player. I don't know how the rest of my life happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the truth is my undergrad degree was not in education and that came later. Um, and what really triggered it for me was working with adult learners first and then um, children second. And I think as time marched on, um, you know, after becoming a mom and now of course, my husband and I, we have six grandchildren. Um, the mission of public education or education in general is just really the cornerstone of democracy. It's at the end of the day, how do we raise good human beings? I mean, I think I think the, the development of young people is a calling um, and it's become more of an intense calling for me the longer I've worked in the field, which has been about 37 years now. Don't you think that the concept of raising good human beings is also what makes it complex. I mean, I, I tell people, listen, it's, this isn't rocket science. It's way more complicated than that because you have human beings raising human beings. It's really, really messy work, which of course makes it exciting and challenging and everything in between, but motivating nonetheless. But don't you think that's what makes it uh, maybe like this perfect mess that we're constantly waiting through? Well, yeah, I think every day is a different day. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even sure we need calendars. We show up and there's plenty of work to do, <laughs> right? And uh, of course, uh, schools and school districts, I also believe are just microcosms of what's going on in the world around us too. So we have to be nimble. And uh, I had a mentor one time tell me, it's not enough to learn something, you have to remain current in something. And that means you have to be nimble, you have to be agile, and you have to be willing to accept the fact that what you learned yesterday may very well change by tomorrow or next week. 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna dive in and talk about obviously the the, the topic for which I invited you, but I I want the rest of the listeners to know that. Um, there's a, probably a series of things I could interview Pam on, as well as her team, specific to kind of district improvement efforts, uh, engaging with the community, creating this climate that really is focused on kids in her school district. But I've heard her talk a number of times, just kind of on the side about her work with her school board. And um, I've just often made this mental note several times over. And... I thought, well, if I'm going to interview one practitioner in the field who is doing the work, I want to reach out to kind of Pam. And I know that, you know, you're representing your yourself, of course, but you also represent your team, which I know is really important to you. But let's maybe start from the beginning in terms of, you know, your philosophy and strategy on working with your school board and, you know, maybe how, how did this come to be? I mean, I often I find that new superintendents don't necessarily walk in with a exact strategy or philosophy that almost has to be formed over time. So what's your journey been like and how would you describe it? Yeah, well, I like many superintendents, I've worked for various school boards. Um, some are more harmonious than others, depending on the relationships board members have with each other and with the superintendent. Um, but I, I always had a, a guiding philosophy that the superintendency and the and the board of education they should be working with each other as a management team we might play different roles but how we work together as a collaborative team for the uh, betterment of the school district and the community uh, really matters so i think management team was a big um, cornerstone in terms of philosophy um, and also, uh, you know, recognizing that leadership at all levels matter. It, it just matters at all levels. It doesn't matter if it's the, the bus drivers in the system or the custodians who may be some of the first teachers or last teachers of the day for students or whether it's our board of education. And so often, I think when districts are going through um, innovation uh, or change, uh, the the board leadership opportunity there is really overlooked. I even look at that when I think about conferences because I think a well-developed board um, is a stronger board and uh, everyone should be a learner in a learning organization. And so some conferences don't even have a breakout session for a board of education. And I think it's it's critical that we don't overlook the people who are elected officials um, in most cases in school districts to, to make sure that they're getting educated and developed right along with their team, right along with their staff. So you describe yourself as a management team with the board. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, you know, you talked about you have different roles and responsibilities within that team, like all teams do, different positions, for example, but how do you um, focus on that in that, you know, sometimes it's tricky for superintendents. The the board is, in in some regards, they're they're kind of they're, they're bosses, right? So he or she may have a, a series of bosses with different perspectives and so forth. So you don't have one supervisor; you have sometimes many, even though there's a board chair and a vice chair, etc. But still, how do you have that conversation with your board, knowing that there are different roles and responsibilities within that management team? 
especially being that they're kind of your supervisors, I guess, officially. Yeah, I think I think it's okay, especially when you're first um, getting into the chair to ask the board, uh, what do you think I should be doing? How do you want your employee to spend her time or his time? And one of the things we did that I think served us very well, and it's outside of policy, but it was really developing board superintendent operating agreements. And we brought in a facilitator in the very beginning um, that everyone agreed on. And we talked about if we're going to work together and be a high functioning board and superintendent team, what does that look like? What do we need from each other? And so we developed uh, something called board operating agreements, board superintendent operating agreements. And that has really been a um, a guiding document for us over the years. We refresh that once in a while. When anyone new joins the board, we bring that out and say, does this still stand? And our board is very um, symbolic um, and they will pull that out at a board meeting and make sure that they recommit to that usually about once a year is what we do. So I think that helped us a whole lot. I mean, we have policies, right? When I first went into the superintendency, our district was using um, policy governance as a governance model. Okay. Some people had heartburn with that. And so we went away from that and went back to more traditional board policies. And I guess my, my other feeling on that is the relationship you have among the humans, and you, you talked about that complexity when it came to kids a little bit earlier, but it's there with adults for sure. Um, I think we use policies as guides, but we shouldn't be so prescriptive that we can't have a conversation about it. I don't ever use a policy to um, you know, come at my board and say, well, you're not following your own policy. I, I don't handle it that way. I try to have a conversation where um, everyone feels like they're being treated with dignity and respect, even if there's disagreement, right? Even if there's disagreement among board members, because um, I think as a superintendent, the worst mistake any of us can make is not to hold our collective boards up high. I think we have to do that. Even when we have personal opinions about some things, we have to make the sausage in the background mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, hopefully stand as a united team, or if the team isn't quite united on a decision, you know, at least explain why that is. I don't think groupthink is what we want either. We need diversity of thought, but I definitely think how we work with each other, I think one-on-one -on -one behind the scenes with board members, and then collectively as we work together through work sessions, um, and then ultimately the business meeting is just, in my opinion, a culmination of all the work that's already been done. So you just, without probably even knowing it, started to define this difference between the science, um, not but the art, but and the art of working with the governance team. So you mentioned that while we may have policies, I'm not going to be the person to call my board out on they are not aligned to their own policy. You're going to do that differently. So maybe talk us through how you came to kind of that level of either maturity or that being your philosophy. I mean, you had a first year as a superintendent, like we all do. You yeah. had a first year. Um, you weren't born knowing 
a governance strategy and the art of that. So how did that come to be to where you kind of developed this EQ specific to working with a board or, or within that governance structure? How'd you do that? I, I think it's relationships and I think it's a lot of listening. Um, I think sometimes because my first year was a humdinger of a year, I'll just tell you that. Uh, <laughs> we had we we had a split board. It was a three-two board. And and working through that, um, I think if if we could talk to individual people about what their hopes and desires are and get a, and coalesce, I guess, around a a why and why mm -hmm. we're here. And for us, it was about um you know, doing something different in the school district that would really match uh, the changes that we had seen with our with our community, with our kids over time. The traditional uh, system just was not serving the students as well as some changes could could warrant. And so I think keeping individuals coalesced around that idea, that there's a better way and we can grow together even though we may not always see eye to eye on certain things that that really helped a whole lot um and some of it's trial and error in your first year i mean it just really is it, you don't get truth in a bottle when you when you walk in uh, but i think it's important to stay calm continue to be the listener um, continue to ask questions to clarify so rather than, I, I brought up policies earlier, rather than saying, well, that's not what this policy says, uh, maybe a better way for me was, you know, hey, is this, is this policy not working for us? Because if it is, you guys are in control of changing it, right? Um, and so I think some of it's just strategic and with dignity and respect in how you treat your fellow human beings. Simon Sinek has this book, right? Start with why. Yours is coalescing around the why. That that's your title. Um, I'm just giving it back to you. You described it. I thought that's a, that's a great title. How do you coalesce specific to this kind of collective why of the group? So um, you mentioned your first year being a humdinger, right? So um, three two split board. Um, many people listening are shaking their heads up and down because either they've experienced that or they're going through that right now with your colleagues outside of your district what are you seeing as some of the you know national and even state challenges you see in colorado specific to this you know this this board um challenge aligned to politics and this you know credible incredible division that we have right now in our country what are what are you seeing as kind of the number one challenges your colleagues outside of your district are facing? Yeah, well, you know, I think um, I think a lot of it is uh, certainly the political landscape, but it's more than that. I think there's polarity. Uh, we've watched changes in behavior even with our students since the pandemic and trying to manage that. And maybe there's another skill set we all need to learn um, about how to manage the here and now that is different than what we experienced maybe prior to 2020. Because I think behaviors um, across the board have changed, but polarity is a big one. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, every November is gonna, gonna bring some surprise somewhere, right? I mean, <laughs> with, with school boards in particular. Um, and, 
And so um, sometimes it's the luck of the draw. But in our, our situation here, I think one thing our board has done a very good job of over time is they recognize that sustained leadership matters and that just going from zero to 60 on something may not be the, the best thing for the organization or the community or the students. Um, and so they have helped cultivate others who might want to continue the forward momentum. I don't see that happening in a lot of places right now. I see a, a, a total sweep of let's throw out everything over here and then start something over here. And then the next election cycle, guess what? That pendulum doesn't swing halfway. It tends to swing back the other way. So those are just my observations. I mean, just last night in Colorado, there's a district um, down south where um, three board members resigned all at once. Oh, um, gracious. I know. And, and so that level of, of um, dysfunctionality with a school board, I don't even think people who are elected realize what that does to an organization in terms of stability. When you're talking about a teacher pipeline that we all need to cultivate, right? Because we have staff shortages in support staff roles as well as teacher roles. You have to become the place you'd want to work. And if you, if you want to have um, a really good organization or a high, highly functioning organization, and when you have that kind of dysfunction, it really does take a serious toll. And it takes a long time, I think, to heal from that kind of, that kind of dysfunction. You know, I, I notice um, in, in the field right now, because of this, you know, uh, polarizing time we're living through, uh, leaders, superintendents, but also kind of that executive team. Um, sometimes they get, they find themselves one, either not spending enough time um, with the board as this kind of management team, right? So they try to just move past it and focus on what they deem as most important because, um, you know, obviously students and our staff and our communities are the primary concern. And then they sometimes wish, I should have paid more attention to our, our governing body because that's causing us problems or maybe they were terminated, whatever that may be. I also see on the other end of the spectrum, some leaders who are um, frustrated because there's only 24 hours in a day and they're spending way too many hours and energy focused on that and not focused on some of the structures that are truly aligned to supporting students. So how do you find balance just with 24 hours a day, you have the same number of hours as everyone else. How do you create the right amount of capacity to focus on working with that management team compared to everything else? And that's such a long list. How do you do that? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. It's um, a great question. It is a great question. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think, how have I done, done that? How do I continue to do that? There is a distinct difference. Um, when you're working with a new board versus a board that's been at it for a minute, yeah, a veteran board. I think I have to spend less time on actually boardsmanship with the board I have now because most of them are, have been in the chair for a while. 
Uh, it's when you turn over a board majority or when you turn over to other people or for however big your school board is that you really do have to spend a lot of time onboarding people. So for me, my metaphor is always the ocean because I grew up on one um, in South Carolina. And I think some waves are just bigger than others. Uh -huh. So you've got to accept that and know that um, sometimes you have to you have to get ready for a bigger wave and it won't last forever. But if you do the work right, it'll help you down the road. Um, go slow to go fast, whatever your your touchstone is for that kind of work. But that's really important. One of the things I think our, our board does a fantastic job of, and, and of course I'm remiss if I don't talk about my team, because the superintendency is a team. A superintendent is one person, but the superintendency is a whole team. And I'm, I'm blessed in that regard and have been with a very um, sustained leadership team around me too. Because uh, as part of a management team with the board, I think it's also important for them to get to know the people and build relationships with the people you work most close, closely with and their various functions too. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't all stay in our lanes on, in certain areas. Uh, the board's definitely in charge of board policy. Day-to-day mm -hmm. uh, -day operations definitely rest with the, the team and the superintendent. Um, but we do a job of onboarding our board members that I don't know exists everywhere. Um, maybe it should. But when we have new board members, I bring board members who've just stepped off if, if they're interested and I have them help us in a retreat, a full day retreat. And I also bring um, our team in and we walk through um, all the facets of the, the organization. I try to get to learn what's really important to every board member sitting at the table um, because usually something drew them to wanting to run for the school board in particular. And hopefully it's um, something that is, that is positive, but even if it's not, if we can figure out how to resolve an issue, if there's an issue in their minds or clarify something, maybe they don't have all the facts, that goes a long way. So I even have our legal counsel there. So they learn as um, you know, uh, representatives who are elected, how they need to function, you know, do you have a board majority sitting somewhere and someone thinks it's a de facto school board meeting? No, the attorneys would say no. So they're, they're having to learn things. And so it's an orientation, but it's a, it's a specific intentional onboarding. And that goes a long way. It also helps build relationships when you spend that kind of quality time up front uh, with board members. Do you find that that kind of board onboarding strategy um, you're doing every single time there's there's a turnover. So if there's a turnover of one member, for example, do you, it, it must always feel a little bit like you, you're going to have to take a step back in order to move forward in the future. So do you just have this, hey, this is how we do it. We've had a turnover, whether it be one or two, and we're going to step backwards before we move forward. Do you, no matter what, you have a structure to do that every time? We, we do. We usually pair it with our um, Colorado um, Association of School Boards uh, conference. 
usually board members are seated late November, early December, and that's when this conference happens for us in Colorado. And so we take a day ahead of that conference, and that's usually when we do the onboarding. And also uh, looking forward to the next calendar year, what's in front of us, long range and short term, uh, and what will our work be? And what will our work be together? And how do we support each other? And if we have veteran board members, I will tell you they're very powerful in helping uh, a freshman board member um, come on as well. So I think building those relationships, you know, we talk about teachers needing mentors. Well, I think board members do too. I mean, superintendents do too. And so all of us are learners in this organization, but that onboarding experience and recommitting to operating agreements between board and superintendent, that matters a lot. The other thing our board does, Jeff, that I would comment on, our district went through a huge uh, innovation and we've been growing with it as a competency-based system um, the whole time I've been in the superintendency. And our board members um, support that. They, I believe they feel a part of that. Um, they speak on that. They have a board resolution they pass every year about this is how our schools will operate in the system. And it's been interesting to watch what that, or look at what that first um, board resolution on competency-based education looked like and how that has matured and what it looks like today. Um, that's been a real kick to see that happen. And they've shared that with some other boards um, who have asked um, for that kind of work. I wanna talk about that a little bit more only because um, for those that have really focused and studied, you know, competency-based education. Some may know that we, you know, talked with Robert Marzano and when I talked actually uh, before even airing with, uh, I got to call him Bob. And I oh, yeah. said, I know, I'm, I know you do too, because I, I, I mentioned you in the district and, it, you know, it, he smiled ear to ear because of course you do a lot of work with him, but help us understand um, even just that. So. How has something specific to competency-based learning and understanding with the school board, how, let's just use that as an example, how has that progressed? Well, um, symbolically, I'll, I'll start with last year. Uh, we graduated our first graduating class for students who had been with us since kindergarten. This is the only system they've known. And so they had a special court at graduation and we called it a generation of learners. Oh so, gosh, that's amazing. I know it's, it's, it was pretty special. Uh, I think it was very special for our current sitting board. Uh, but when we first started, we were pioneers. I mean, there were no roadmaps for this. So bringing our board along, learning right along with us as we were um, trying to learn and trying to pilot and, and then implement and then scale that system-wide. Um, that's been something we've really had to coalesce around. Sometimes we have had to back up because that's leading change at a systemic level, um, which is difficult. And I think my best advice for anybody would be if you're leading a system-wide change like that, find a leadership role for your board in that to help you because none of us do this alone. And I, I can say that humbly. I mean, we've made adjustments. Part of our model is plan, do, check, and adjust. And um, we definitely adjusted along the way. Um, and we've 
told people when we've um, visited with other school districts who, who frequently call or come by to visit, you know, we can tell you the good and the bad and the ugly according to Westminster, uh, but you'll have your own story. And if we can save you some pain <laughs> in terms of some of the adjustments we've had to make as a result of, of learning on the fly, uh, we'll, we'll do that too. And of course, every time someone else starts down this path, we learn right along with them. And even if they're visiting our classrooms, uh, I tell every group that comes, um, we learn as much from you as, as hopefully you do from us. So let's let's continue down this path, and let me kind of test you um, on your level of humility by asking you this. And we're helping the new superintendents and their teams, the superintendency um, at this point. Let's think back to uh, I'll have you do some tattling. Um, what have been <laughs> some of the the mistakes over the years that have been made, not just by school board members? but by you and your team. What have you noticed where sometimes, you know, you talked about plan, do, check, and adjust. So in that process, I have to assume that you've hit a couple of roadblocks and then you've realized, ah, it's because we made a mistake in this way. Maybe a board member went, uh, went awry or maybe it was you or your team that maybe overstepped. So what are some of those mistakes and what did you learn along the way? Yeah. Um, I, well, there have been several, Jeff. I'll just <laughs> yeah. <one> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, probably a lot of superintendents have had a board member or two um, that has a hard time staying out of the weeds. Mm -hmm. And so my best advice there when that happens is to ask more questions than you give direction to a board member, but certainly rely on other board members to help their, their peer out with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think another thing is I had to figure out why are they getting in the weeds? What's the motivation behind the behavior? Not just the behavior, but what's driving that behavior? Uh, and if I could ever pinpoint that or a couple of things that may be the motivation behind the behavior, then it's, then it's helped me. Um, it's hard not to take some things personally. Um, I like to tell our principals and, um, and our senior team, one thing about this job you can count on, there are a lot of people out there who believe they can do it better than you. <laughs> and, and maybe they can, you know, and so maybe maybe the next time that that vacancy comes up, who knows, right? But um, I, I try to remind my board that leadership is not necessarily a popularity contest. Um, and I think it's difficult when you've got senior team and staff in the field, teachers, uh, everybody working as hard as they can work um, and trying to get a lot of tasks done to benefit children to then have to step back and realize there's a political landmine out there that we might need to slow down a minute and pay attention to. Um, because sometimes I think you do have to change um, the speed at which you're moving change in an organization. If you go too fast, you can go off the rails. If you go too slow, you'll never get anything done. It'll be at the speed of education. We like to call it around here. So the if speed you're of education, speed of education, right? Okay. okay. Uh, but I think I I think if you're if you're embracing innovation, 
and you have a systemic um, commitment with your board and with staff, and it's all important, that's, that's when you've got to pay attention to how fast or how slow you go, depending on what you're dealing with at the time. Some parts of that innovation will be more complex than others. This may sound like um, too specific of a question because, you know, so much of a, a common thread in your responses in, in this discussion have to do with really these strategies on building uh, trust with your team um, and them trusting you, you trusting them, being open-minded, being someone to question first, being uh, versus, you know, providing statements and direction. But beyond your very uh, friendly, welcoming disposition, do you have any very specific strategies? Do you think, well, I'm going to make sure that every other week I have a phone call or a cup of coffee with every board member, or I'm going to take them out in groups of two. Obviously, you're not going to have a quorum at times. So do you have a specific strategy that's in your schedule or... Do you truly just rely on constant communication as needed? Um, I don't know if that question sounds, I'm just wondering, do you it's have something specific? Does that yeah. make sense? I think both. I, okay. think I, I think there are both um, opportunities there for superintendents. One thing I do without fail, every Friday I put together a board digest and my team contributes to that too. And I always have a letter in it to my board and I, I hit a few of the highlights of the week or things that I know are coming up or things that I'm just thinking about. Um, I recognize that that's um, an open records request if anybody asks for it. So I don't ever put anything in there that would be, you know, like a confidential personnel thing or some type of legal issue. I also make sure our attorneys get that, uh, our board members get that, and my senior team gets that. And so without fail, there is a common information base I send to the board every Friday. Okay. That's important. Another thing is um, our, our board, the way our schedule works is um, we have business meetings, but the bulk of our work really gets done in board study sessions. So tonight I have a board meeting. Um, after the board meeting, we'll go into study session. I try not to bring things to the board uh, business meeting that we haven't discussed in an open study session um, so that they have a chance to ask questions, to learn more about it. Um, I don't want them to walk in to vote on something and they don't feel like they have everything they need in terms of information or questions answered. So that, that has helped us a whole lot too. I communicate um, a lot with our board president um, sometimes he'll help me with communication to other board members. And then other times I will go out for a cup of coffee or, or, or something with a board member or two. You have to do, you have to do it like that because you don't want to create a, a, you know, a board meeting by default. Um, and sometimes that communication is more frequent depending on something going on in the community, something coming up that we need to pay attention to. Um, and on the front end, if it's a new board member, I'm communicating a lot. You know, uh, you, you started touching on something that I want to ask about right now. It, and it, 
you mentioned before um, making a lot of mistakes. The one thing that makes me um, so wise is that I learn uh, through trial and error, and I just I make so many errors. So I'm I constantly have to learn to make it through my day. But it took me a long time to understand the importance of um, the board leadership, specific to say the board chair. Um, and I want the listeners to know this is part one. Part two, we're going to be inviting Ken Chanchu. Did I say that correctly? Chanchu. 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 Okay, got it. Um, so we're inviting Ken onto the show. and But we wanted to do part one first, and then we'll kind of listen, learn, and engage Ken and go from there, which I think will be this really fun, organic process. But maybe um, even before Ken joins us um, on another day, Lou, talk, talk to us about the importance of that role. I mean, how do you rely on Ken or that position specifically? Because like I said, it took me a long time to realize, oh my gosh, this is a partner in this work as opposed to me feeling like I need to lead it all the time. Um, I finally kind of relented to working directly with this partner and then all of a sudden life seemed to go a bit smoother with the board because I was sharing the floor and responsibility. And of course, some may say, well, well, no, duh. Once again, it takes me a while. I'm kind of dense. So what was your, talk to us about your relationship with Ken and how you work that, work with the board chair. Yeah. So uh, if, if you want to go back, as we started a little bit with policy, really, I work for the collective board, right? All superintendents do. Yes. Each individual board member makes up that collective board, but you work uh, your boss is really the collective board with five or seven or nine personalities, ha however big your board is. With Ken, um, we put the board agenda together for the business meetings. Um, and after that, he's one voting member. But I work with Ken in a way that is a two-way street. It's not just how I work with him, but it's how he works with me. And I think that matters a lot because he picks the phone up. Hey, Pam, have you heard about X, Y, and Z? And I'll say, no, I'd like to say I know everything going on in the school district, but you know, uh, it's a big system. So tell me what's going on. And, um, and then if I don't know what's going on, I'll just go find the answers. Um, and so we have that, that mutual respect, that honesty back and forth. And I think I have that with, you know, with all five board members. In fact, I'm confident I do. Um, we trust each other. You asked about trust because I think um, my, my behavior and my communication is predictable. Um, I'm not afraid to talk to them about issues that are hard to talk about, but we do that in a respectful way. Um, we do that in a way where I, I sometimes look at them in a study session and say, well, board, I just need to get your temperature. Um, wh what haven't I told you that you need to hear about? I, I think if they understand that you've left your ego at the door and that you're really um, there to not only serve your district and your, um, and your community, but you're also there to serve them, uh, that comes back to you. It's a, it's a two-way street. Uh, any of the board members can pick the phone up and call me or send me a, a note. And, uh, and they know I'll be right back to them uh, as quickly as I can. 
Um, and they've gotten so good now, they'll say, hey, it's not urgent, just when you get a chance. <laughs> that helps That helps my temperature go down a little bit, like especially if I'm, if I'm knee deep in something uh, in the school district. But I, I think it's working as a partner with Ken, but it's also Ken working as a partner with me. Yeah, well said. Okay, so as you know, because you're a member of our leadership circle, I, we believe circles are better than rows. And where what makes our heart beat fast and enthusiasm is when leaders are around a table helping each other, whether that be, you know, online or face to face. Now, um, this is us talking at leaders, so to speak. This is the one thing that we do to provide this kind of content. But let's imagine you and I are sitting around a table and around it we have, you know, assistant superintendents, superintendents, maybe even some principals. Um, what on this topic would you want to leave them with? What would be kind of your final words of wisdom, knowing there's a part two to this conversation, but based upon our discussion so far, what would be kind of your quick elevator speech around the table? You know, here's my kind of drop the mic moment. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think, uh, I think relationships matter. And uh, even if it's someone maybe you wouldn't just call them up to go out to lunch or something if they weren't on your school board. Those are the ones you should probably spend more time with. Um, and don't avoid uh, that. Sometimes it's easy to communicate and talk to people um, you feel good around. But I think it's important to spend the bulk of your time where it's, it's maybe not as comfortable in order to get to to a better place with your whole board. Um, so wisdom wise, I, I think we all have a different context. Uh, I'm humble because I know any day of the week, all of our uh, contexts could change in our community and in our school district. Um, but I think leaving your ego at the door, I think uh, listening in a way People know you're genuine and you're not just thinking about what you're getting ready to say next, but you really are leaning in to understand what it is folks are trying to accomplish or not accomplish or what's irritating them or frustrating them. Um, I, I think that's important. I think as a leader, um, you have to recognize that leadership at all levels matter and find many, many communication um, cabinets or ways like we have here where I meet with a support cabinet, a teacher cabinet, um, a kid cabinet. Uh, tonight we're interviewing a student to be a non-voting uh, student board member uh, for our board of education and continue to evolve. I mean, just because you've done something one way for 10 years, I mean, I've been in the chair longer than that. We're continuing to look at the next best way to do business given the current context. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, this is this is this is so interesting talking to you. I, you're actually the first person I've ever heard describe this kind of difference between a superintendent and a superintendency. Um, is that is is that kind of your thing, or did you steal that from somebody? I don't know that I stole it from anybody, but I sure do live it every day. But it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's, I it's, would fall flat on my face without my team. I mean, there's there's no question about that. I have brilliant people around me, and I, you know, I spent a lot of years in HR. Smartest thing you can do as a leader is hire people smarter than you. 
Well, I, I love that term. A superintendent, superintendency. So um, if I ever use that, I'll, I'll try to remember that I, I stole it from you. So thanks. No worries. <laughs> so Pam, thank you so much for this conversation. And this is just part one. So next step is um, we're going to invite, we're going to invite Ken and we'll have kind of this three-way conversation. And uh, I, I think that'll be really fun building from this to that. Um, so, you know, you can go, go let him know, uh, prep him, and it's going to be it's going to be a good time. So thank you so much for you as well as your team and all the innovative work for a long period of time that you've been doing in Westminster School District. So uh, you're appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate you too, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, see? Uh, that that's kind of what I was trying to say at the very beginning, how we kind of tap the the wisdom of people in our community who are doing the work, which is sometimes the same and sometimes different than some the science as well as the rules in this case of governance. So, and there's no better person to learn that from, uh, Dr. Pamela Swanson. So, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, teachers, leaders, be well. <laughs>